end of Ephesians um, chapter 3. Because there's one more grace that we need to talk about today. And that grace is interesting because have you ever thought about if life could would only exist by what you see or what you understand? Have you ever thought about what life would be like if like that? Have you ever thought about what prayer would be like if God would only do what we ask of him? Have you ever thought about that? If God was limited to waiting on us to ask something so that he could do something, have you ever thought about what would life would look like if it was limited to those things that we understand? Every once in a while we have these experiences in life where all of a sudden we're a little bit limited. Right, Jim Lemieux? We have an experience where we're a little bit limited. Do we enjoy that life that's a little bit limited? Probably not, right, Al? Doesn't enjoy that life that's a little bit limited? You know? But have you ever thought about if God would operate that way? If God would operate only by what we can imagine or see and only by what we can think that he would do, what if God was dependent on us? How would that go? What would that look like? But sometimes we think that way without even realizing it. We limit the power of God by thinking that God can only do what we think he's capable of doing. We, we, without realizing it, we, we kind of limit God. And, and I found myself, even as I was praying for Lynn this morning, I was finding myself trying to pray, you know, okay, God, you can do whatever you want. But in the same way, I, I have to be really careful because I could, what if my prayers could limit what God did? What if God was waiting for us to say certain phrases or certain things? And, and, and he's, he's talking to Lynn right now, and he's going, you know what, I, I really want to do those things, but they didn't ask. You know, I'd really like to do some things in the lives of people, but, but they didn't ask. So I can't. Are you glad that God isn't limited by what your mind can imagine? Isn't that a good thing? At the beginning of the, about in the middle of the first chapter of Ephesians, Christ, Christ prayed for us. That was his first prayer. And in, in that prayer, he, he prayed that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we could understand things. Remember? And a lot of what he was hoping that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened to, he describes in chapters 1 through 3 or gives a small explanation of all these things. He wants us to know riches and the power of God. But now as he comes to the end of chapter 3, after he's spoken of all these things, he's praying that we would be enabled. Okay? He's praying that some we could experience God's power. But here's the problem. The problem is, is that sometimes we think God's power depends upon us. Without even realizing it, we buy into those ideas that somehow if we know the magical words or we think right, that all of a sudden that will help God out. 
and we don't understand this concept of this second prayer and what he's saying. So let's, let's just read the second prayer together. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, he starts and says, For this reason, I bow my knee before the Lord. Now, he had started saying this in verse 1 of chapter 3. If you look there, it says, at the beginning of 1, it says, For this reason, and then all of a sudden, he got sidetracked by one more time wanting to talk about the fact that we have been united with Christ and that there was no longer Jew and Gentile and that he was the minister of that and he was so excited about what God would have him do. So now all of a sudden, after that long sentence that he said there, he comes back and says, oh wait, wait, for this reason I bow my knee before the the Father for whom every family in heaven and earth is named. What a picture of God. Every family exists, not because of them having a father, but because God is father. I bow my knee before him. And and what does he pray? This is what he prays. He says that according to the riches of his glory, which he has been describing, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He goes on and says this, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And then he ends with this benediction and says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now we're going to get back to it, but just take a look at how important verse 20 is. Now to him who is able to do abundantly more than we can ask or think. I like what the NIV says. The NIV says that we could ask or even imagine. You know, over and over again in Scripture, we get these phrases that says that God is not like us, right? What did he say? My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. So I am really glad that God is not limited by what I think or imagine, aren't you? But sometimes we, we, we kind of buy into that just a little bit, don't we? We get a little bit afraid. Things go on. We, can't, we, we have no idea. Even, even as we pray together, we're trying to weave together why we think this thing happened to Lynn, but we have no idea, do we? We, we can't imagine what God is about. We have no idea what he's doing. <laughs> We don't know how somehow he is weaving together the hearts of so many different people every time anything ever happens. But what Paul is praying here is that we would understand that there's not only a power outside of us, okay? And that God wants to work in the circumstances that are around us. But we honestly have to be, we have to say we can't change ourselves. Have you tried? How's that going? 
Have you ever said, I'd never want to, or I'm going to always, and have you tried those phrases? We need to understand that not only is there a power that works around us, but there's a power that works inside us. And he prays some specific things about that power. He says some specific things, so I want to talk about them just for a little bit here. He says this. He says that this enabling grace or this power of God can do this. Take a look at what it says. Let's just, Ephesians 3, 16 and 17 says this, that according to the riches of glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Okay, So he's saying, I want this power to be inside of you and strengthen your inner being, this, this very center of who you are. And then he goes on and gives the reason why. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The words described in verse 17 in the Greek give this idea. So that Jesus can be at home in you. Isn't that an interesting idea? So that he can be at home in such a way. Now, when you enter into my home, there is no doubt that it has been shaped by people. Okay? When you look around, it has been decorated by my wife, who does an incredible job. But if you open drawers and doors and look around, there's also a signature from me because some of you have learned that I'm a little bit of a neatnik and I like to organize things. And, and, and so all of these things that are part of our personalities dwell in that house. And he's saying this, I want Jesus Christ to be at home in your life. And you're saying, okay, I, I want that too. Have you ever had people come and visit for too long? Have you ever had that experience before? You know, and the, they start to impose, you know, you know, I, there's one person that comes into our life and she'll give ideas about how we should live and I'll just look at her and say, this is our house. It's not your house. You don't have to live that way here. But Jesus Christ is supposed to come and dwell and be at home to the point that who he is should pervade the house. But God wants to give us the power to make that happen, okay? Because you know what? We can't do it ourselves. If we are left to ourselves and in our own power, Jesus is going to remain a visitor, okay? You can stay as long as you want. We'll make some adjustments for you. We're glad you're here. But this is my house, not your house, Jesus. But God wants to give us the ability, the power to make the adjustment so that Jesus Christ is not a visitor, but he's a resident. In fact, he wants to do such a great work in us that all of a sudden we, without even realizing it, are saying is, it is such a privilege to live in Jesus' house. That we go from being 
the ones in charge and the master of our domain to the ones that realized that our domain needed a master. But we can't do that ourselves. And so God, out of his love for us, through grace, empowers us to make those kind of adjustments. That's grace. That's enabling grace. As you read on, he talks about it again, and he says this. He says that you being rooted and grounded in love, and that is just taking the last phrase which talks about Jesus dwelling in our houses. They're, they're kind of like taking two phrases and they're talking about the same thing. He's just describing it in a different way. Rooted and grounded. Isn't that an interesting way to think about things? You know, when a tree has good roots, that's when it really can have good fruit, right? There's a lot of people that want to be fruitful in their Christian experience, but if you did a root check you'd find out the roots weren't going very deep. You know, the winds the last couple of days explained to us that some things don't have very good roots, right? He's saying that, that we're rooted and grounded in love. Isn't that, that an interesting idea? Grounded in, in some of the other translations says that we're built up or built into love. Isn't that interesting? So, in our innermost being, the anchor of our soul can be love. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever met people and you're pretty sure that the anchor of their soul isn't love? He says, so that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to what? Comprehend what our with all the saints, what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth of love? You know, there are certain moments that all of a sudden God does something and he tours back the veil just a little bit, and we are absolutely blown away by the love of God. And we begin understanding its absolute enormity, or in the words of my father-in-law, it's huge, you know? He's saying that God wants to give you the power to comprehend the incredible size of love. And then he goes on to say, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Not just to comprehend, but to experience the love of God. Some of us, because we're living our Christian life in our own power, are not experiencing the love of God that should be powering us. And so without even realizing it, we limit ourselves and say, well, you know, there's just certain people I don't. I, I won't say I don't love them because we're supposed to love everyone. But I can be honest and tell you I don't like them. But Jesus Christ can do something inside of us and it gives us the power not to know about love, but to actually know love. I tell stories about Nancy a lot in church, so a lot of you know about Nancy. But I know Nancy. 
God wants to give us the power so that we can understand, comprehend, and know His love. And that it can be the anchor of our soul. But there's more. You see, the idea here is that God wants to move us from being a cynic to being accepting. Okay? If, if your soul isn't anchored in love yet, that's why sometimes you find yourself saying, why in the world is God doing this? Why? Because, see, you don't know the love of God. So something happens, and it shakes the love of God. Does that make sense? And you, for even a second, find yourself being a cynic of God. Why did God let this happen? Why is this going on? Why is that true? Because you're not letting the power of love change and anchor your soul. So the question is, if we were to take a scale, and on this end is cynic, and on this end is accepting, where are you on that scale? Hmm? If we were to take a scale and say, on this end, Jesus is visiting my heart, and at this end, Jesus is an absolute resident and maybe even the master of my heart. Where, where would you put the scale? And then all of a sudden, some of you who are so good at creating to-do lists are going, okay, my to-do list for the week is to be less cynical and to be more loving and to let Jesus be less of a visitor at the house. He doesn't need to take his shoes off at the door anymore. You know, and and the thing that the scripture is telling you is you don't have the power to do those things, but God will give you the power to do those things. God will enable you to make these changes. The ultimate goal that Paul saw is this, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, Okay. And this is the power of God to replace all the other things that are filling you. You know, you've got to understand something. God understood it. He understood that it isn't Jesus and. It's Jesus or. And he's not like trying to see if he can fit a little extra in it. And that's what we try to do. Okay, God, I've got a little space in the trunk. You can go there. Okay, God, I made some room for you in the hall closet. You can go there. Okay, God, I, I made a little mental space for you to think about you today. You can go, no. He wants to fill us. And that's the power of God to replace. Think about that. Isn't that cool? I'm going to replace all the not God stuff with God stuff. I'm going to replace all this stuff with me. Because I have the power to do that. But you don't. And you can try to do that, and you know what you're going to get? Tired. Frustrated. Discouraged. But God wants to do something amazing. And it, it always is about surrender, isn't it? Dear God... I'm I'm not very good at, you know, have you ever seen that show Hoarders? 
you know, where they're going through with people and they've got all this stuff everywhere and they're saying, they're trying to help them get rid of it and they're so emotionally attached to all of it that they can't even throw away their garbage anymore. God doesn't want us to be a hoarder. But he knows that we don't have the power not to be one. You see, there's an exchange here. If, 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 if we're in charge, it's controlling. If he's in charge, it's surrendering. And we need to ask him for the power to surrender. Um, it, it's interesting. I, I started thinking about this. It's, it's the difference between pride and humility, isn't it? I'm okay. I, I think I'm doing okay. I'm, I, I, you know, I, I've got a lot of God, you know, to all of a sudden saying, oh, I need more of you, God. I can't do it on my own. It's the difference between being full of God or full of yourself. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? It's the power to replace that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And then he goes into the benediction. The benediction is so important because you've got to understand that you're never going to understand it all, and so you need to ask him for help because we can buy into this idea that we we are limited and dependent. And it's somehow dependent on us, and it's not. Because, you see, and I know I spelled it wrong, okay? Enabling grace is the power of surprise. Okay? Isn't that cool? He says, I'm going to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. (laughs) It's the power of surprise. He says, I'm going to do that. Okay, you're going to ask for things, and that's going to be great. And I'm going to be sitting next to Jesus and going, you know, they asked for... They asked for the small size, but we're going to supersize this thing. Yeah. They they thought that this is what they really wanted, but we're going to do immeasurably more than they could ask or imagine. Because enabling grace is a huge surprise. Not everybody likes surprises. Have you noticed that? Some people believe in planned spontaneity. But God wants to surprise us. So what does enabling grace look like? It's abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. But here's the kicker with it. It's not us doing these things. It's God's power in us to make adjustments. God's power in us to know love. God's power in us to replace things that are in the way of us being filled with his fullness. And it's God's power in us to surprise us. I think we need this kind of grace. We need to understand that we can't do this on our own that we can't make the changes, that we can't become a better person, that we can't... And I hope that you don't get this feeling that this is what we're teaching you at church, that we can somehow just pick ourselves up and buck up and be a better Christian. No, we don't have the ability to do that. But God's power in us can do that. 
But there's adjustments that he needs to make. There's love he needs to teach us. There's things that he needs to help us replace. And thank God, it's bigger than our imagination. When I look at some of the things that I thought I really wanted and God gave me instead, he's doing real well. He has a great track record of surprising me. Because grace is glorious and it's incredible and it's enabling and it's enlightening and it's unifying and it's ministering. But the most important thing is it's enabling because it's the power of God at work in us. So I I don't know what your issue is today or your challenge is today, but it's time for you to say, okay, God, I give. I can't do this. But you can. And so, God, can you do this thing in me? Can you help me make, can you make this adjustment in me? I'm going to learn to trust you more and surrender because not only does your power work outside me, but praise God, it works inside me. And that's where I need it more sometimes than I need it out there. But it's not us working harder. This is so important. It's God working in us. The power of God. Let's pray together. Dear God, we're trying to paint a clear picture of your grace and the thing that we're realizing as we paint that picture is that it's still so much bigger than the picture. And so God, we pray that you would help us for those who are stuck or frustrated that they would figure out how to let your power work through them instead of trying to in their own power figure things out. God, that you would work the miracles that only can work. And God, I'm so thankful that you don't limit what you do to us to what we have asked for from you, but that you do more than we can ever ask or imagine. And so, God, I pray for myself and I pray for the people in this room that we would be filled to the fullness of God in us, that we would know the love of God that he would be at home inside our hearts. And that, God, you would be such a worthy replacement for all the things that we're holding on to today. So, God, take away our cynicism. Take away your visitor status. God, help us to know you. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.